With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Shack Show is a production of iHeartRadio. Today on The Shack Show, I'm going to talk to Bob Herrig of ESPN.com, Major League Tiger Watcher, expert on all things Tiger, about Tiger's return to golf after five months off. Last time we saw him was the Genesis Open. Oh, excuse me, the Genesis Invitational. Oh, at least I didn't call it the LA Open. And more importantly, I'm going to talk about that zany memorial tournament first. Wow, unbelievable day at Muirfield Village on Sunday. If you were out enjoying beautiful weather, I don't blame you, but it ended up being kind of a surreal final round after a surreal week uh, in which... I, I mean, it started with Jack Nicholas basically scolding the governing bodies of golf on live television. Thought that was a nice touch. Love it when he gets cranky. <laughs> um, then he proceeds to present Muirfield Village like a U.S. Open, which unfortunately kind of undercuts his his message because people see a setup like this week with high rough and greens that were essentially allowed to die because they were going to be ripped up. After the tournament, turns out they were ripped up during the tournament, <laughs> during the final round. Not a great look, but we'll get to that in a minute. But I do think he, he, he the U.S. Open setup idea undercuts the concept of, of saying, hey, the skill issue and the distance issue uh, is is problematic when, when the course essentially did hold up well to the best players in the world. Unfortunately, it required things that you can only do when you are about to take the grass out. Um, and even today, they put a lot of water on overnight, and the yellow that was seen on Saturday and the purple and the brown went back to green, and then as the day went, uh, the, the greens deteriorated again. Um, so anyway, that was how we started the week, and then Jack Nicholas mentioned that he would uh, shake the hand of the winner. Seemed like an odd uh, statement, given his age and COVID-19, where he resides, a lot of other things. And then he made a comment about how he couldn't pass the virus along. Well, it turned out that mid-telecast, Jack decided to drop uh, another surprise on us and reveal that he and Barbara Nicholas both had tested positive. He had um, experienced symptoms and they had quarantined for about uh, a month. 
Barbara thankfully never got ill. They have tested positive or uh, tested for the antibodies. If that turns out to mean something, I hope it does. Anyhow, Jack is uh, well, and it was quite a zany week. It was wonderful having Jack Nicholas on the broadcast because he talked about redesigning the golf course and a lot of other things. Then he was there in the booth on Friday when Bryson DeChambeau made 10, essentially berated the rules officials, um, mashed down the ground around where he was dropping his ball. Uh, just just, just an awful display. Then the next hole, his caddy essentially speeds up to get in front of a Golf Channel cameraman with an imposing look. I did a blog post about that. lot of layers there. Uh, that, that issue with Bryson and television and weirdness and rudeness to people who are just doing their job is, is, is becoming a real problem for the PGA Tour. And I believe discipline is the only way it can be addressed. He clearly is not getting the point, and it's so disappointing because he's such an interesting character. I know in his heart, having talked to him a little bit, um, he, he, he's incredibly respectful of, of the game's history and, and uh, his elders, and I, I don't get what's happening. Uh, it's not a transformation that's attractive to watch. And it, again, it's so disappointing because he is such a, a different, different character, and we need those people in the game, and he needs to deal with uh, why he is uh, getting so easily upset. He also needs to stop touching around his ball. So let's get to the thing that really does bother me the most, John Rahm. Wonderful victory, moves to number one in the world, is just been playing so beautifully. He's he's slowly improving his temper issues. He had one moment on the course during the final round. If you saw, he slammed his driver into the 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 tee on uh, eleven after hitting it into the trees and then subsequently into the creek where he made double bogey. He is a another just class act, wonderful, interesting guy. Incredibly bright, great future ahead of him. Of course, he's number one in the world now by uh, the the algorithms telling us that. So his future has arrived, and uh, he's somebody I respect immensely. However, like so many players today, he just loves to put the club down behind the ball, just loves to test the lie, test the ground. And uh, I've railed on about this for a long time, and I don't want to belabor the, the, the story. For those who've heard me talk about it on State of the Game with Mike Clayton, who concurs, a former golf pro, you know, when I was young and I would go to pro golf tournaments, I, was, I would always play really well the week after because my tempo was better. And my tempo was better because I would watch these players come up to their ball, especially when they hit it a little offline and you got to get really close to them. And they had a funky lie in the in the hard pan or in the rough, and and watch them how gently they would lay the club down and 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 never really do anything to alter what goes on behind the ball, either because they don't want to see be seen as improving their lie or because they did not actually want to move the ball. Well, we get to sixteen today, and after all week, I mean, I've seen I watched a lot of the memorial. It was a lot of fun to watch. Golf Channel, CBS, uh, just doing a great job under these difficult circumstances, especially when the cameramen are worried about a player or a caddy coming and, and beating the crap out of them. And sure enough, John puts his ball down, 
to 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 the naked eye on live TV. It kind of looked like it moved. Somebody texted me, so I rewound it. Sure enough, there you go. Um, but I'd seen this all week, and I maybe I've just become numb to it. How many players are testing the ground behind, and it's just become habit. I really don't think that it's uh, cheating as much as a just kind of the way players see other players doing it, and it's how the game's played. In fact, I'd say you see it more with tight lies than you do with uh, lies in the rough. But this week there was a lot of rough. We saw a lot of it, and and I just I go back. There were years ago. Kenny Perry did it once in the rough at the Phoenix Open, and it was controversial because you couldn't see the ball. He 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 put the club down. Then you could see the ball from the rear camera view. Uh, we had this with Patrick Reed at the PGA Championship. Peter Costas called it out at the time on the air. So it's something that those who've been around the game a while see it, and and they're they're struggling with why the players are doing this. And I hope today that John Rahm getting a two-stroke penalty after the round, handling it beautifully, he he acknowledged that the ball moved. Of course, it helped that he had enough of a lead <laughs> that it didn't change the outcome of the tournament. And like I said, he he can be a you see the temper, but he he, he there is a a, a class uh, to him, a, a, a sense of of dignity. That uh, at his core, I know, is there, and, and he handled it beautifully. Of course, Slugger White mentioned that he handled it like a gentleman, which is also how he described how Patrick Reed uh, took it when uh, the same thing happened in the sand at the Hero, and uh, he really didn't handle it like a gentleman. But anyway, um, Slugger White uh, asked John Rahm what it looked like. He gave him the penalty because under Rule 9.4, uh, the ball moved, so forget all the high-definition stuff and and all that. The tour went right to that rule. You know, maybe John Rahm could have fought it, uh, asking if the, this could be seen uh, by the naked eye, and therefore, under the rules changes that really came after Suzanne Pedersen and the U.S. Women's Open, when you, nobody in their right mind except the high-definition camera and slow-mo replay could see some sand move that he could have invoked that. So he did not. Um, I believe, I have no information, no reason to, to, to know this, but I believe that uh, Slugger and the, and the rule staff probably use this as an opportunity to try and send a message, which needs to be sent to players that, that this is a bad look. We can see this on television. We have no crowds and distractions, so we're even more focused on you than ever. And there are these wonderful cameras, and we just see people always putting that club down, testing the ground, and to the point where you almost feel like they're trying to improve their their lie. And it really is just such a it's a it's the core rule of the game. Play it as it lies, and they get beautifully conditioned golf courses now. Muirfield Village was in unbelievable shape. Obviously, the greens got a little spiked up and dead looking uh, for for the reasons mentioned, um, and and the, and the look of ripping them up in the middle of the tournament. I just is still the strangest uh, image of a strange week. Uh, but I do believe they're trying to to say uh, to players, uh, take note. This is not going to be tolerated. I, I I hope that's the case. I would love to see a memo to players. Well, it wouldn't. I wouldn't see it, but they would send it. And then players would forward it to, to to media members and endorsed by the commissioner saying, look, 
people love golf and love golfers and pro golfers because they see you as athletes with integrity. So please stop mashing behind the damn ball. A uh, few other things uh, just on the week. It, um, it It's continuing to look like golf is going to be able to function. There's a great story I posted on my blog. Check out um, by uh, ESPN.com that gets into the um, some more details about the testing process. And we had, of course, three players playing by themselves this week who continued to test positive for, for COVID-19. One of them, uh, Denny McCarthy, got good news after the round. He doesn't have to be in this horrible uh, kind of weird ostracized uh, grouping. And I say horrible. This It's, in, in, it's a first world horrible. Um, so you feel like all things are going well there. The only obvious loophole and bizarre thing in it was that the players are continuing to work out in the fitness trailer together in a small air-conditioned room. And it makes no sense to me. I mean, I, I live in Los Angeles, and of course, all the people are, uh, the fitness nuts have figured out ways to work out outdoors. And obviously, when it rains, I understand, so please don't send me emails. You can't work out outdoors. More importantly, I really don't know why working out is that essential right now. When your livelihood is golf, and it could be the one sport that is able to keep going. So please, just 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 get some 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 bands and a foam roller and some things and some and do it in your room and or do it in the local uh, park with your uh, trainer ten feet away. Whatever it takes. Uh, so that said, uh, the other story of the week obviously was Tiger Woods, and that's why I wanted to have Bob Harry gone. So let's take a quick break on the Shack Show, and then I'll tell you what uh, Bob and I are going to talk about and, and uh, talk Tiger. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel... It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so it was great to see Tiger back. I thought he looked really great. Uh, of course, then Thursday, he played. Sounded a little dehydrated after the round. And he's turning 45 this year. And sure enough, that next morning, Friday, 
didn't look so hot physically. In fact, it got a little scary at times. Uh, the 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 feeling was as you were watching it, like, oh no, is his back really that bad? And he just he just was having a bad day. Just the, the, didn't take enough turmeric and <laughs> whatever it is. Um, so he looked rusty in a lot of ways, but. Uh, you go through his numbers from the week, and Bob and I will discuss this. And 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 Bob is just such a a, a great veteran uh, sports writer, and he watches all things Tiger. And so I think you're going to learn some interesting things about Tiger, and and some things that make you may make you wonder kind of what he's going for with his approach. Sometimes that's Tiger, not Bob Herrick. But all in all. Um, the week was uh, one where it's pretty clear if Tiger sits down with the incredible shot link numbers that are provided. And, uh, and you know, I'm, I am glad shot link is out there. I did wonder early on in this if this was a, the right place and time for them to have the whole cruise out there. But it seems to be working really well. And it, and it is just amazing to have these numbers. And, of course, there was a financial component, too. DraftKings is just killing it with the gambling and the golf. But just in a nutshell, Tiger hit 45 of 72 greens, which was was um, uh, solid for the week, given how tough the greens were to hit, how windy it was a few of the days in the Memorial Tournament. And he ended up 11th in strokes gained uh, approach to the green. So, so the iron play is continuing, continuing to be good. 41st in stroke gains driving. You know, I saw enough moments where he had uh, the power and he looked great when he did it. And then otherwise, his swing just looked, looked beautiful. Fluid rhythm. Just he just uh, uh, even even the day that he wasn't feeling so hot, the the swing to me looks uh, solid. The short game stunk. Um, and he he mentioned it, and Bob and I will talk about this. Uh, so that's clearly that uh, is the thing going into Harding Park, which I believe is where he'll next play. It's hard to see him turning up in Memphis in a hot week and then trying to regroup quickly in San Francisco in totally different conditions. And let's face it, Harding Park is a place where he should win. It's it's a California vibe. He. Doesn't necessarily love uh, greens that have Poa in them. We'll see what the greens look like and a whole bunch of other things that that obviously play a role in what Tiger does on the golf course. So with that said, here is my conversation with Bob Herrig of ESPN.com. So, Bob, what did you make of Tiger's week at Muirfield Village in the Memorial? Well, you know, I, I, was, I thought he would do a little bit better than this. Um, I, thought he'd, I thought he would show a little bit more. Uh, obviously Friday was tough with when, when your back is stiff and, and you're not feeling great. And that score he shot Friday was probably pretty good under those conditions. You know, the, in that situation, he was losing a lot of shots to the right. And when your back's bothering you, it's hard to putt and chip. So you give him a pass on that. Uh, and, and the Sunday conditions, you know, look, the golf course was a, was was borderline over the top he actually you know he actually scored pretty well for for the conditions and the scoring average Uh, but he's got some things he needs to work out he even said so his putting was not great um you know his his play on the par fives he ended up even for the week uh you know tiger's got to be six eight under on the par fives and uh he's not giving himself enough chances and also again i thought even on Sunday when he was swinging nicely, hitting a lot of nice, nice tee shots, um, his wedge play, you know, 100, 120 yards in is just, um, uh, it's, it's mediocre. Yeah. You know, he's got to take advantage when, when he hits it that close. So, you know, when he's on a par five and he has a hundred yards in, 
you know, he, he's got to be giving himself a 10, 15 footer, not dumping it in a bunker. And, uh, that seemed to happen a bunch. So now, is that rust or, mm. you know, is that a product of the stiff back and he didn't work on it enough? Uh, those, those are hard questions to answer, but you know, the, this is the whole point. He needed to get out there and see what he had. And now he knows what to go back and work on. Yeah. So when you watch it, you, you see though, overall, I mean, compared to what we saw the last time at the Genesis where it was just, just nothing was really going very well. Uh, you, you see signs of progress or at least, uh, he's in decent enough shape to turn up at the PGA championship with a chance to win. Yeah, I think, I think there needs to be a little bit of working on the, uh, the finer points. And now he swung the club pretty nicely during the final round. Uh, there was lack of speed earlier, which was a little alarming. So was that because he was just laying back and being careful or did he just not have it? Um, you know, those were, those, obviously those were some issues he had at Riviera because he wasn't feeling well, but those weren't issues that he had say, uh, you know, even at Torrey Pines or obviously in the fall. Mm. Uh, so, uh, there's some rust too. And, and, uh, you know, this leads back to the old, you know, argument about should he have played one of the, one of the previous events? Yeah. You know, would it have been good for him to get out and play a tournament where the scoring conditions were easier? He even admitted, you know, he would have liked them to have been a little bit easier. He was yeah. fine with the hard test, but this might have been too hard. Um, and I think ultimately he's glad he made the cut and he got the two weekend rounds in. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's hard to gain much on a, on a Sunday where you're playing so defensively the entire time. Yeah, and he's really glad that he got in that, that final hole on the restart. Uh, looking at the weather map. Um, back to the back, though, what what struck me on Thursday evening when he gave his post-round interview, he sounded a little uh, like you sound when it's a low 90s humid day. He sounded a little dehydrated. His voice sounded weak. Uh, and I did have a little thought like, oh, that's going to be a quick turnaround uh, f- when you get to a certain age that that and you haven't been playing. You've been whizzing around medalists in a cart. And even though it's hot, in your your home state this time of year, it's just not the same as Muirfield Village, which is a really tough walk. It is not a easy piece of land to get around. But yeah, I just wonder what is he? Do the COVID restrictions not allow him any to bring somebody who who kind of does some work on him? Um, I mean, I know there's very limited on who can be on site, but it seems like he wasn't really prepared. Uh, physically for that round the next day on Friday where he just looked, he looked off. I mean, a few times he looked like he was about to uh, call it. It just, you know, it just didn't look comfortable at all. Is there somebody there that can, can help him with that? Well, that's, that's an interesting topic because, you know, he hasn't been bringing a trainer with him. Uh, You know, he didn't do that all last year. Oh, And I don't think it's, prohibited for him to do that that person might not be allowed on site but certainly that person could help him out away from the course Mm. he had just been using the tour trainers and and i don't know to what extent that's even allowed right now i think there's some restrictions on that uh you're right obviously quick turnaround uh to friday morning did him no favors that's always going to be a problem uh but you know also uh, to your point about him looking a little out of sorts after that Thursday round, I think we can surmise it might have been the first time he walked 18 holes. <laughs> yeah, I think and, so. And, 
And if that's the case, that's, you know, that's just sort of a, I think a misplay on his part. Yeah. Um, now look, I get it when he's at home, he's trying to pack as much in as he can. And when he's working on his game and you want to play, you want to get the holes in and the swings in, it's, it's quicker to go out there and play in a golf cart. And then, you know, you're going to practice before you're going to practice after on the range. You're out there for a long time. You are standing for a while. Obviously he's working out and doing those things too. But I would think at some point as part of it, you just need to do the entire, somebody's carrying the bag. Even if Joe yeah. doesn't come down, Joe did not go down to Florida. Oh, uh, somebody's mm. carrying, somebody's carrying, and, and they've done that in the past. He did not do that this time. You know, Joe had not seen Tiger since February 16th. No. Before, oh, uh, wow. before Tuesday, you know, so, um, but I mean, you've got to go through the routine of, of the cadence and the waiting and standing. Yeah. You know, when you're hitting a shot and getting back in a cart, that there's relief on your back when you're hitting a shot and then walking 300 yards down the fairway and then doing it again and not sitting down much. Um, that's different, you know, and, and, and I just wondered, you know, okay, he's not used to that. And look, it has nothing to do with being in shape. Right. I mean, obviously Tiger's in great shape, but you can't replicate that. No. You know, so um, uh, I think, you know, uh, now it's going to be going back to Florida. I live in Florida. It's hot as can be. You know, is he going to want to walk around with the medalist? So I think it would, I, I think it would help him to do it once or twice. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just, it's just to get used to being on your feet and standing and not sitting down. Now, maybe he doesn't want to do that because that aggravates things, and the, and the less he does it, the better. But that means then he needs to play more, and obviously that's a tough call at this point. Yeah, it just seems like an odd oversight or odd bit of complacency for somebody who's usually pretty detail-oriented and knows what he needs to do. Uh, so after the round, he he discussed uh, Amanda Balionis tried, and then some of the writers tried to find out where he's playing next, and he really didn't uh, say. But did you read into <laughs> that that he's his next stop is uh, Harding Park in the PGA Championship? You know, I I, I didn't necessarily take that as a no. Um, you know, I I thought going into this week that Memphis the WGC was a good possibility. Um, because I didn't see him playing three playoff events in a row. And I have a sense that he would really like to get to Atlanta. Um, and in order to do that, you've got to, he's got to earn some points. you know. And so if you're not going to play three playoff events in a row, why not go to the WGC where you know there's no cut? Mm. But after this week... I'm a little bit more negative on that idea simply because he doesn't want to overdo it the week before the PGA and, and have nothing. Yeah. He's going to be playing in 95 degree heat going to 65 degrees. Probably. That's not good. Yeah. You know, and I think we just are seeing that playing back to back weeks, the risk. Yeah. You know, he might do it during the playoffs. He might do it at Olympia fields and, and the tour championship because there is an extra day before the tour championship. You know, it's going to be a day starting a day later. I could see him doing it then. Uh, that's like, but that's the only time I think, you know, I, I just think now, especially going to a golf course, he doesn't know Memphis. Right. 
Yeah, I'm I'm leaning more against. Although I wouldn't be surprised if he added it. It just I just think it's up in the air. Yeah, I'd vote for getting to San Francisco area early and getting back on some cool season grass golf or stopping in at Stanford or something in the area and, and playing some golf around there. But he doesn't really even like to do that kind of thing anymore. He just seems to be more of a, a stay at home and then and then roll in. But it's certainly not. It's very different than golf in Florida. You're right, and he would be gone either way. So to your point, if he leaves early and he gets to Cal- Northern California on the weekend, um, obviously that even though he's had great success out there, that uh, that type of grass has given him fits putting well, uh, yeah. at times, and it's good for him to get used to it. He certainly won't have had any practice on it for six months. you know. So um, to your point, it's a great idea, actually, if he were to take that under advisement. Yeah, he doesn't really take that kind of <laughs> advice. In fact, he probably <laughs> would go the opposite way. But uh, Hardy, I, I did notice he he commented on the on the putting that the, the he wasn't used to he just wasn't used to the ball breaking that much. It's been a while, and and the, and the ball really was snapping at the hole. And then they had some just insane hole locations. I thought uh, this week it, it seemed it seemed like they were different. The other thing I noticed, and I just wondered if it was his back, and and you. <laughs> It's a hard question to ask. He won't answer it, I don't think, anyway. But it looked to me like he was just more upright. The put, the, the, the putter looked very long in his hands, and I don't know if that was the back or he's just something mechanically he's he, he has to get right if he'll see himself on, on uh, the replay or something tonight and go, oh, wow. I, it, I don't know if you saw that. It just looked like he was standing very tall over the ball. Yeah, that's a good point. He, he His posture looked a little bit different than – so is that just um, a bad habit that he got into yeah. because to bend over was a little more bothersome? You know, uh, uh, you know. Hopefully, he takes a look at that and 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 works on it. Um, uh, and and it was good that he acknowledged that the putting was off. Um, and look, that was the, the, that was a hard hard tournament to putt on. Right oh out yeah, of the gate, it's brutal. You know especially the final round, you know, the greens were just ridiculously fast and you're having some long putts. It's hard to lag them. Uh, so, um, but it did again, it gives them, you know, a, um, some, some points to work on now. And, and that's, that's what he really needed. I think that's what he needed out of this. And, and it, unfortunately for him, it was almost like coming back to a major, Mm, uh, yeah. and he had no, he had no chance to like work out the kinks on an easier layout where you can recover better. Yeah. Well, I think it might be a, a positive that he saw that his game on a, on a major style venue, uh, was exposed, especially the short game. And maybe it'll make him take up a few, um, take things up a few notches and, and, um, and then obviously Harding Park is not, um, even even set up very extreme. It's just never. It can never get like Muirfield Village this week in terms of I think the number of of kind of scary shots and scary putts. Uh, you mentioned though he's played well there, so you, you're you're pretty bullish though still on his prospects going to our our first uh, major championship of 2020. Yeah, I would like to have seen more this week. I expected better. I expected him to be fine physically i didn't i wasn't thinking there could be a physical setback and if that happens obviously there's no chance you know it's just not going to happen but uh 
when he's looked feeling good, like he seemed to be on Sunday in the final round, and he was hitting a lot of good tee shots. Um, you know, he seemed fluid. He seemed loose. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, he still had a good week uh, approach shots to the to the yeah. hole. I mean, his his stats aren't going to be great, but his stats for you know strokes gained approach are going to be decent. Yeah, he was eleventh. Yeah, it was it was a good week. When you consider where he put himself off the tee, especially on Friday, yeah, you know that's that's pretty impressive. Uh, it's just more the little things, and you know, as we were saying earlier, uh, I, I I find it puzzling that that Tiger's better, you know, statistically from two hundred yards or one hundred eight yards than he is from a hundred. Yeah, you know, and this has been an issue for a while. You know, he, unless he gets his wedges dialed in. You know, he, you're not taking advantage of your length on, on short par fours or even on par fives. And you're just giving away too much when you do that. And, and also, he's not hitting par fives and two enough either. That's not happening very yeah. often. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, he's, he's, uh, he puts himself a little bit behind when, when that's the case. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I would love to know if he looks at many of these numbers. Um, but he wasn't alone in the uh, really mediocre uh, effort from uh, 100, 120 down. It's just incredible how many guys are. are I mean, Rory uh, was just just horrendous uh, earlier in the week uh, <laughs> yeah. from that. Yeah, Justin Thomas, I don't think, gets enough credit for how much he differentiates himself from his his peers being so good from that distance. And in part of it, I think he, he hits a beautiful little cut shot that lands softly with his wedges and kind of, which is more old style. And a lot of the guys don't do that, but, but it's gotta be, I just, I, I would love to know if Tiger pulls up those numbers or Rob McNamara pulls them up and uh, goes, Hey, uh, Hey boss, how about we go out to the backyard green and dial in that, that 110 yard shot a little bit more. Um, do you think yeah. he's open to that kind of conversation? Yeah, you know, I think he is, but you know, Tiger's stubborn about other things. Like, uh, you know, it's it's interesting to me that he he doesn't carry a gap wedge hmm. in this day and age. You know, th- there's a big disparity when you hit the ball so far between you know when you just have pitching wedge, sand wedge, and uh, or I guess it would be pitching wedge fifty six degree and 60 degree sand wedge. That's, that's what he carries. Yeah. You know? And so there's, there's some pretty big variances there between, you know, I'm guessing between the pitching wedge and any, and what he what might hit a, uh, you know, a 56 degree. And so that requires, you know, honing that in and, and, and really kind of, you know, working on that and dialing it in. And that's not that easy if you're not, if you're not playing all the time or if you're not practicing that all the time. And, uh, you know, I think Tiger knows what his numbers are, and there's going to be weeks where he has that dialed in, but then there's times that he doesn't. And um, to, you know, the 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 last day, the final round at, at Muirfield Village, I think it would be hard to hold you to a high standard on hitting it close. Yeah, but still, he came up short a couple times. Um, you know, he's he missed greens with a wedge. You know, yeah. uh, so that that suggests something is off there. Yeah, well, you and I argue about this uh, when we have the opportunity in person. I, I just don't think he cares outside of the four majors at this point <laughs> that enough to really grind. And uh, but but I I think this week will be a positive in in opening his eyes to what what he needs to work on. And 
And I think he will get excited at Harding Park. It'll just be the, even though there are no crowds, it'll be the the cypress trees and and the Northern Cal vibe that he knows so well. And I'm confident he'll he'll show up there ready to go. Um, so anyway, Bob. Oh uh, yeah. Thank you so much. I all uh, things willing and and all going well. I will see you at uh, Harding Park. I can't wait. Look forward to it, Jeff. Thanks. Thank you. Let's take a brief pause from the Shack Show and hear from our sponsors. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Thank you again to Bob Herrick for the conversation. And uh, it should be a, a fun few weeks here coming up as we uh, lead up to a major championship in August, the PGA in August. Very normal. Just won't have any fans. And uh, I can't wait. I'm going to be there. I'm excited about getting to be back at a tournament. Uh, knock on wood, all things go well here. And uh, we will see what happens in the coming weeks with, with golf but uh, and all of pro sports, really. It's uh, a wild, wild time. I think you know the drill. The Shack Show is a production of iHeartRadio. And and by the way, just a reminder that there are fantastic golf podcasts from Hank Haney, Paige Moranek, Max Homa, slash uh, Shane Bacon. So please check those out. Subscribe. Tell me uh, anything you like, don't like about this show. And uh, I'm, I'm excited. I have some people on a list to talk to the next few weeks. We've got the LPGA going to Inverness. So I'm going to try to reach out, do some uh, discussion around that as well. So please visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. 
I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.